Good morning. Welcome again. Hey, we have been talking for the last few weeks about knowing God's will, discerning God's will for our lives. Uh, important subject. Um, can be a, a challenging and complex process. But as I mentioned before, oftentimes the stakes are high, right? Uh, if, if, if we really do want to follow after God uh, and we have decisions to make based upon you know, His will for our lives, it, w- it would be helpful to know what that will is. So uh, we're going to continue to press into that today. Last week, just for a uh, quick reminder, we talked about God's will and God's word. And, and we said a couple things. Uh, f- first of all, we said that... Um, discerning God's will really does come from the Holy Spirit. Uh, sometimes I think we think if we are logical enough, if we, you know, in, in life when you have problems, you try to sort those problems out, you look at the different potential conclusions and you come to an answer. I think we think if we do that, we can figure out God's will. But I don't know that that will fully work. Um, in, in Colossians 1, Paul prays for the Colossian church and he prays that God will fill them with the knowledge of His will, which the Spirit gives. And so there's a, there's a dynamic that the Spirit imparts God's will to us. So it's not a matter of how smart are we, you know, how well can we uh, approach deductive reasoning. There's some of that involved, but ultimately it comes from the Spirit. We also said that this is a process. It's, it's not always just a matter of, uh, God, what's your will for this? And then we know. Uh, that would be nice, wouldn't it? Wouldn't, don't you wish it would work that way? But it doesn't always work that way. It's a process, and sometimes it takes time to uh, really press in and seek that. In fact, one of the things we mentioned about God's will and God's word from Psalm 119 is His word is a lamp for our feet, a light to my path. And uh, I like that particular image. It's a little oil lamp there. Uh, it's not a giant... Uh, beacon. And sometimes that we like that, don't we? I like to have all the answers. We like the blueprint. We like, this is it. This is the plans. This is, we want to have all the answers. God doesn't necessarily uh, reveal his will to us in that way. Uh, my experience has been most often it's the exact opposite of that. He will give us the next step. Or maybe if we're really, uh, you know, on our game that week, the next two steps. He'll give us a little bit. And he does that intentionally because he wants us to partner with him. He wants us to be dependent upon him and work with him in that process. So as much as we would like to have the whole big picture, very often uh, God will give us a little bit at a time and require us to exercise this thing called faith in moving forward. We also said God's word is the ultimate criteria by which we establish whether something is God's will or not. Um, we're going to talk about God's voice a little bit today. And, and we are a people, we believe that God speaks and God leads. And we believe that God's Holy Spirit is interactive in our lives all the time and that we really can hear from Him on a, on a regular, day-by-day, really even moment-by-moment basis. But that said, um, it's subjective. And sometimes hearing God's voice uh, can be difficult, and sometimes we might think we're hearing God's voice when in fact we're actually kind of hearing our own voice. And so, so really, uh, hearing God's voice has to be subject to, congruent with uh, God's Word. If God speaks something to us that is really outside the bounds of His Word, we have to really bring that into question. Uh, and, then, and then the last thing, 
Oh, a couple of things, other things we said in, in regard to that. Uh, biblical interpretation, when we do look at God's Word, there's a few things that I think are important to remember. One is it should be done diligently. Um, I, would, I would say this to you. Uh, Bible study is important. Um, I, I think it's, if I can be really, really honest, uh, it's, it's nothing short of arrogance to think that I can open my Bible and read this passage without any external help, and I know exactly what this means. Uh, the, the, the truth is, it's, it's, it's much more complicated than that. And we, and we have to be sincere and heartfelt and diligent in our pursuit of really coming to a clear understanding. And context is important, and culture is important. And, you, you know, what are we reading? Am I, re- am I reading a letter, or am I reading a poem? Because I will, or am I reading historical narrative? I, I will interpret... Uh, how I read a historical narrative will be different than how I read a poem, and how I interpret that will be different. We have to take those things into consideration. If we fail to do that, I think we, we are not really uh, being as responsible as we can be in terms of uh, our ability to really seek God's will in God's Word. With that, it should be done in community. Um, the Bible talks a lot about teachers, and God has given teachers uh, to the church to help us, and there are great teachers out there. Uh, that can help us. Not only that, but when we study the Bible, when we talk about the Bible together in community, the the chance of coming up with a really uh, whack job interpretation goes way down. That's a theological term, by the way, whack job interpretation. Every now and then you hear somebody say something, you go, that's just whack, dude. That, that is not what that is saying. But if you're in community, there's less chance that that's going to happen. And then the third thing I would say, again, is just an encouragement to utilize available resources. Look, here's the deal. For 2,000 years, people have been reading and studying God's Word. Maybe longer, but at least 2,000 years uh, since you know, the time of the New Testament. And there have been some really smart people that have done that. And they have provided great resources for us. And, and it really uh, is to our benefit to take advantage of the resources that are available. Uh, buy yourself a study Bible. Learn how to use a concordance. Get a Bible dictionary. Understand uh, what's available to help you study the Bible. I, used to, I teach a class on how to study the Bible. And I used to tell people, look, for about $100, you can, you can buy the books you need to really... Uh, without going, you know, developing this whole massive library, buy the books you need to, to, you know, really study the Bible pretty thoroughly. But anymore, to be honest, you don't even need to do that. Most, most of those things are available for free online right now. And if you use Bible Gateway and BibleStudyTools.com, there, there are websites that are completely free. You can utilize those to help you study. I would still encourage everyone. Uh, I mentioned... Uh, Fee and Stewart's book, How to Read the Bible for All It's Worth, last week. Again, probably 12, 14 bucks. One of the best investments you can make. Uh, I would encourage everybody to get a good study Bible and a good Bible dictionary. Uh, but beyond that, a lot of tools are available online. So there you go. God's will and God's word. Today we're going to talk about the other two aspects of that a little bit. God's voice and God's people. But before we get into that, I, I thought maybe I would just take a minute and share with you uh, some things not to do. All right, so in terms of trying to follow God's will, discern and know God's will, sometimes there, there are methods that I've heard and seen employed that uh, I think are not so helpful. So these are some not-so-great methods of discernment. First one is the idea that there's a Bible verse for every situation. Um, 
I think you guys know, I, I mean, I just spent last week and some time this morning saying we, we look to God's Word for God's will, but that said, the idea that there's a specific verse for every specific question and those things line up is, is not really true. There are many, many specific questions in the course of our lives that there may not be a specific ber- verse to uh, answer that question. Now, in general, uh, there will be principles that we can extract from Scripture to help us come to conclusions, but there might not be a verse for every question, you know. Uh, so just be cautious of that kind of Bible roulette thing. This is what I'm supposed to do. This is where I'm supposed to go. Uh, I, would, I would encourage you to not uh, go down that road. Second thing, avoid sign theology. Uh, we've talked before. I've shared with you about the, the, uh, you know, the moving van, uh, U-Haul truck that has Iowa on the side, and the person, oh, I'm you know, supposed to move to Iowa. That's God's sign for my life. And about the the soap bubbles in the shape of Oregon in the sink, and that was the sign to move to Oregon. Um, yeah, I'm just saying, um, I, I would really uh, be careful. Now, look, can, am, am I saying that God will never give you a sign? No. Am I saying God can't give you a sign or maybe he won't give you a sign? No. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying if that's your default methodology uh, for determining God's will, uh, it could be a rough go, okay? I'm just saying, let's be careful of those things. If, if you're praying and seeking God's will and you're using a process of discernment and God gives you a sign in the midst of that to kind of bring confirmation, amen, that's good. But let's not just take whatever happens. I, can I, can I, can I, I'm going to do it. Okay, so a few weeks ago, whatever, I don't know, we had the blood moon. I'm just, so, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. How many Christians did I have talk to me about what this meant in the kingdom of God because of the blood moon? And I'm like, really? Really? I mean, I'm sorry if I'm ruining your whole life right now, but <laughs> scientists can tell us when that's going to happen because it's a natural phenomena that results when planets and stars move different ways and things happen. It's just not a sign from God. Um, there you go. Last thing, and I'll try to not be in any more trouble today. The idea that everything that happens is God's will is not accurate. Uh, I don't know how many times I've heard about a tragic situation. A child uh, dies or, uh, you know, a terrible car accident or something, and somebody goes, well, that's God's will. It's God's will that this, this is God's going to use that to show you something. I'm just going, no, time out. That's not God's will. That is not God's will. Not everything that happens is God's will. The world that we live in is much more complex than that. There, there, spiritual warfare is a reality. People have free will. God has a will. There's angels. There's demons. There's all sorts of stuff. Sometimes stuff just happens. It's not all God's will. And, and I, I think we really set ourselves up to, to live in a place of... of hopelessness and defeat if we try to determine that God's everything that happens is just God's will. So I would just challenge you against those things. Look, as always is the case, if I've said anything in this little section this morning that is disruptive or uh, unclear or hurtful to you in any way, for the price of an Americano, I would be happy to sit down and chat with you about that. And I mean that sincerely. In fact, the only thing I don't mean sincerely is you don't even have to buy my Americano. I will buy you one. Um, But I would love to talk about those things if, if you have questions there. So...
Uh, moving on, the idea of God's voice being one of the ways by which we determine his will. God, God's voice, hearing God's voice is, is a huge subject, okay? We could do weeks and weeks. I've taken classes. There's uh, I, I, books, many, many books written, uh, seminars, whole conferences on hearing God's voice. This morning, in a very brief way, I want to talk specifically about uh, God's voice in the context of discerning his will. When we're trying to determine God's will for a certain situation, uh, so we want him to speak into that for us. So a couple points related to that. First of all, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. As we are ch- the children of God, as sons and daughters of God, uh, we, can, we can be confident that we can be led by the Spirit, that God's Spirit is leading us, that he, is, he does care and He is actively engaged in the process of us walking out our lives. He has not, you know, the whole notion that God saved me and now I get to go to heaven when I die, but until then I'm just kind of on my own, is just craziness. The reality is this, God cares about how we live our lives. He wants to be actively involved in your life. He will lead you day by day, step by step, if we will invite him into that process. The book of Acts alone, I mean, Scripture is full of that, but the book of Acts alone, really, I mean, to me, how many times, how many times does God say, Go here, go there, do this, talk to this person, share with that person. I mean, Peter and John, Stephen, Philip, uh, Paul, Cornelius, it's over and over and over again, chapter after chapter after chapter. God leads his people. So God speaks. He didn't stop speaking at the end of the apostolic age. Okay, that's just goofy. Okay, can I say that? That's just goofy. Um, What's not goofy is this, second point, is that God speaks in the context of relationship. And here, I'm not talking uh, just about our relationship with one another, but I am talking specifically about our relationship with Him. God speaks to us in the context of our relationship with Him. Isn't that how relationship works? On every other level? When you have, you, you, you meet someone, you know, you go into, I go into Starbucks, uh, I joke with the barista for a minute or two, we have a, a little pitter-patter, and then I leave, and that's that. But when you have good friends, you sit down with your friend, and you, you have a relationship with that person. I'm not going to go into Starbucks and say, hey, I'm having, a, although the Scala Safeway this morning did do that, it was so interesting. Uh, I'm not, but I generally wouldn't say, hey, I'm having a really rough time right now, there's a lot of things going on in my life, and want to really talk about that. No, that doesn't happen. Uh, when you have a relationship with somebody, that's when that happens. Uh, co- communication, God speaks, happens in the context of relationship. John 10 is one of the most beautiful and amazing passages in Scripture. I want to just look at a few verses. I would encourage you, though, later today, sometime this week, read all of John 10, and actually just sit down, you know, in a quiet place, and read John 10 and just meditate on it. Just reflect on it for a little while, okay? The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. They will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. A little further on, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep, and my sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life 
for the sheep. The sheep know the shepherd's voice. Um, the shepherd's with them every day. He leads them and guides them. He spends time. There's a relationship that's pre-existing. And in that context, we really can learn to know God's voice. And I, and I would just, I, I'm going to encourage you in this so much today. The, this is the key. This is the key to this whole process of knowing God's will right here. Okay. The, the more intimate, the closer, the deeper our relationship with God is, the clearer his voice will become. Okay. Uh, okay. We can go home now. No, I'm not going to. Uh, a couple more verses related to that. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. Um, what God wants from us is really uh, a, a love relationship. It's, it's really a, a love relationship. Um, what, what I have, what I have uh, seen, this is my sort of observation over... Uh, my lifespan, and, and as well as the opportunity to talk to other people who have been involved in ministry is this, that um, how, how we hear God's voice ultimately is dependent upon the nature of the relationship we have with Him. And I have found that people tend to approach relationship with God in one of two ways. This is generalization, but largely true. Uh, first way is this. The Bible does at times use legal language. that you know, It talks about justice, and it talks about judgment, and there are, there's some legal imagery in the Bible. And sometimes I have found that people tend to approach their relationship with God from a kind of a legal perspective. Now let me ask you, have you ever... And look, this isn't black or white. I think we all have some of that in us. So have you ever thought about God's will in my life and been afraid... What, what if I make the wrong decision and it's really not God's will? And I do the wrong thing. Anybody ever had that thought? Uh, what, if I, what if I just miss it? What if I do the wrong thing? How, what about this one? Okay, look. I've already probably blown it so many times, God, God might not even just speak to me anymore. Anybody? Three strikes, you're out. Right? We have a law, three strikes, you, you commit a crime three times, you, you, know, you, they, you go away to jail and never come out again. Um, here's what I call that. I, I think that legal relationship approaching God that way, to me, leads to what I call fear-based discernment. Fear-based discernment. It's rooted in a, in a legal relationship with God. And it really, let me see if you identify with this at all. How many of you, when you see you're driving your car... And a police car pulls up behind you, you immediately get kind of nervous. He might pull me over. Did I run a red light? Am I speeding? What's going on right now? How many of you have ever had that same sort of feeling in terms of determining God's will in your relationship with God? Look, we all have that a little bit, so I'm not being critical. I'm just saying that I think uh, approaching my relationship with God uh, from a legal perspective leads to a, a, a real fear-based discernment rather than a love-based discernment. God, what God wants is not us to be afraid of Him. He doesn't want to be the judge. He doesn't want to be the cop. You know what God wants to be? Uh, here, look, I'm going I'm to read a verse to you. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. 
Ephesians 5, talking about marriage. And we use that verse in this passage in the context of, of marriage, of a marriage between a man and a woman. We talk about it that way. I have probably read parts of that chapter in wedding ceremonies on uh, maybe dozens of times, maybe hundreds of times. Uh, it, we, 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 we use it as a guideline for our relationship with one another in marriage, which is probably the most intimate, the, the, the most the deepest, most profound human relationship that there is. But the reason that God, that Paul here by the Holy Spirit uses that to talk about something else is because that's the most intimate relationship that we can relate to on a human level. Verse 32, this is a profound mystery. The whole passage, yes, it relates to a human marriage, but what he's really talking about, this is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ in the church. We're the bride of Christ. He doesn't want a legal relationship. He doesn't want to be the cop. He doesn't want to be the judge. He, he wants us to be his bride. He wants to have that level of connection, that level of communion, that level of intimacy with him. Uh, that's the desire of his heart is to be in that love relationship and that his voice would be found in the midst of that and all of the answers to our questions, which way do I go today or tomorrow, would flow out of that relationship. One more little verse here. Uh, remain in me, also I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in, uh, in, in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I didn't do a slide this week, but I do have a little Greek for you there. The word remain is menos in Greek and... Uh, it really means abide. It means dwell. It means, uh, Eugene Peterson, I think, put it so well in the message. He says it means to move into the neighborhood. God, God sets up camp. He's there. He wants us to, to, to move into God's neighborhood and God to move into our neighborhood. We want to be neighbors. We want to be friends. We want to hang out together. Not just, not just visit. You know, not just, not just come for a, the weekend, but to really connect with one another on a much more deep, deeper level than that. And then again, I would encourage you to uh, read John 17, Jesus' prayer there. For unity, he prays that uh, his relationship uh, with his father would be reflective, you know, or our relationship with one another and with him would be reflective of that relationship together. So all of those things to say this, that really at the end of the day, being precedes doing. Uh, God wants us to be in relationship with him. Um, look, a, a legal relationship, and this is, this is important in determining God's will, a legal relationship asks the question, what should I do? Uh, a love relationship asks the question, a covenant relationship asks the question, who should I be? Who should I be? What's God's will? God's will is that you be in covenant relationship. You be in that kind of a love relationship with him. And when you do that, really, I promise you, the answers to life's questions will flow out of that. Discerning what God's will is in any given situation will take on a whole new reality because it will flow out of that relationship. Can I just say, if you find yourself scrambling and going to God for answers, but you don't have that communion with Him first, you're probably missing the point. Sometimes, when you're in that kind of love relationship. Some of you have been married for maybe, you know, a few years or more. Um, but when you're, when you're in a love relationship, you, you almost know what the other person's will is, don't you? You don't even really have to ask. You, you, just, you just sort of know. You know 
what your wife or your husband, you, you know what their will would be. You, you just know. It's just, it just comes because you're in that connection. And I really believe our relationship with Christ can be that same way. Uh, when we have that level of relationship, the answers to those questions become almost natural. Uh, you, you really just begin to uh, understand and know what it is. Now, that doesn't just happen overnight. That takes time to cultivate. We have to develop that relationship. It's not quick, and it's not a formula. You can't say, do these three things and you'll know God's will. No, it, it takes time to just build that covenant, build that relationship with him. Um, but I'll, I'll tell you this, that a covenant relationship will confront fear, fear-based discernment. It really will. It'll confront fear-based discernment, and it'll help us to really hear God's voice clearly and make decisions based on that love relationship, not on fear. Paul says, Christ's love compels me. Christ's love pushes me forward. What, what might that look like? Um, I'll give you a couple tips. Just, you know, figuring it out. Let's say you're in relationship with God, you're communing with Him, you're, you're, you're you know, just in, you're, you're in community life, and you do have a decision to make, and you want to know God's will. Uh, so I would, first of all, do this. Uh, enter into a place where you can really sit down and spend some time and think through uh, your decision and begin to... Remember we talked about in the first part of this series, our will and God's will are sometimes different. Begin to purge yourself of your own motivations. Try to, try to, to the best of your ability, lay aside what my will is, what I want, what would be the best for me. Just sort of clear all those things out of your mind and out of your heart and really begin to, to seek God you know, uh, on what His will is for this situation. And then invite Him into that process. Lord, let Your kingdom come and Your will be done in my decision, in, in, in this situation right now. You invite Him into the process. If you have choices to make, if you're, if you're basically looking for God's will on something between like choice A and choice B, I think it's helpful to do this. Uh, think of the end game. So if I, if I choose choice A, what will my life be like in a year? What will my life be like in five years? What will this look like down the road? And if I choose B, what will my life be like in a year, in five years? What will it look like down the road? And in that process of thinking what your life will be like, you kind of can sense God's peace. One of those, you might go, oh, I, that seems peaceful. I can really sense God's presence in his heart. And that, the other one, ooh, that doesn't seem so good. So that, that's sort of a way that we can really invite God into that process of making decisions based on relationship with him. Um, the, the, the last thing I would say, and we'll, we'll close with this, is that discernment really is a process that shouldn't be done alone. Okay, uh, Proverbs, uh, plans, lack for, plans fail for lack of counsel. With many advisors, they succeed. Um, I, I would be hesitant on any significant decision in my own life to ever make that on my own. I really would. I, I, I really feel as though... God has put us in community. The body of Christ is a reality for a reason and that we really can't help one another in that process. So whenever I have a decision to make, I have people in my life that I value and trust and I want to bring them into that process. Um, the other thing I think is that when we do that, it reflects the character of God. Okay, so we understand God is Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's three in one. There's a unique relationship 
a relational dynamic happening in the very character and nature of God. And so when we approach life uh, in community, uh, it also it reflects that character and nature of God. God doesn't exist alone. We are not supposed to exist alone. And so we really should uh, process things in the context of relationship. Now, who... Who would you invite in? How does this work? Well, just a couple real quick things. One, I would say this. If you're married and you're making any sort of uh, directional decision whatsoever, you, you, you probably should include your spouse in that. Okay? Let me just say this. You show up at home one day and you say, hey, honey, we're moving to Iowa. Um, that's probably not a good plan. Okay? I, I don't think that will end well. Um, you should really involve your spouse in that process. Okay, let's just start there. Second, uh, I, I really think that a small group of people are very helpful. Uh, three, four, five, six. Uh, I, you know, what is that old saying? Uh, too many cooks spoil the soup or something. I think if you get too many people involved, it could get a little chaotic. But there should be people in your life that you do life with. We all have that, right? You have people that you trust. You value their input on other things. That's the group of people you should really look to, um, to, to really draw you in on this thing uh, and, and, and work with you and process with you. Again, I talked to you, I think last week I mentioned when we made the determination to uh, move here and plant this church, leaving behind virtually everything else. Uh, you know, Donna and I talked about that, prayed about that together. We processed that, and then we opened it up to some of our close friends, people that we really trusted. And again, um, you know, each person that I brought it to confirmed to me, yes, I really believe that's the Lord. And, and I share with you, if that, if that had not been the case, uh, we would have had to go back to the drawing board. And I, I, I might not be here, but uh, the reality is they all confirmed that was the Lord, and that gave me the confidence to, to move forward. Uh, I was going to share, I talked to you before about the... Uh, the Quaker Clearness Committee. It's a pretty interesting deal. I'm not going to take the time because we're running out of time, so I'm going to skip that. Although I will tell you this, uh, I have a, I, I looked it up, I have a document that talks about how that works, and it's a pretty interesting process. Uh, it, it really is everything we've talked about in terms of just kind of clearing some space to allow God to speak and doing that connected. But to close today, let's just talk about discerning God's will review given by the Holy Spirit, so He's involved. It's rooted in our relationship with Jesus. It's a love-based relationship, not a fear-based or a legal-based relationship. It's congruent and subject to God's Word. So when He speaks and we hear His voice, we want to make sure that that's consistent with what His Word teaches. And then it's found uh, primarily in community, not in isolation. So with that, I hope that helps you to uh, make decisions and know God's will for your life. And you're all better now. Nice. Let's stand. <laughs>